Welcome to the Faith for My Generation podcast, where our vision is to shake and shape a generation with the power of God's Word. We're on one mission, to raise up a generation of powerful believers through the relevant teaching of God's Word. I'm so thankful that you're here today. I'm your host, AJ. Let's get into the episode. Good morning, this is your wake-up call. It's wake-up call 060-WASH-AND-BE-CLEANED. That's wake-up call 060-WASH-AND-BE-CLEAN. This is the Faith for My Generation podcast, and I'm your host, AJ. Hey, I'm so glad that you're here and that you're watching and you're listening. Let's go to 2 Kings chapter 5. I'm going to read a passage in 2 Kings, and then we're going to talk our way through what we read. What I want you to take away from today's episode, today's podcast episode, is this. Faith oftentimes doesn't look like this giant, huge leap or decision. Oftentimes, faith is something that may seem very simple and very matter-of-fact, Faith oftentimes is just putting one foot in front of the other and continuing to yield and be obedient. I want that to be the takeaway that you have in your heart. That faith can look different naturally depending on what God may be calling you to do. And oftentimes faith simply is obedience. Obedience even in what may seem the simplest of things. All right, 2 Kings chapter 5, starting with verse 1. Now Naaman, commander of the army of the king of Syria, was a great and honorable man in the eyes of his master, because by him the Lord had given victory to Syria. He was also a mighty man of valor, but a leper. And the Syrians had gone out on raids and had brought back a captive, a young girl from the land of Israel. She waited on Naaman's wife. Then she said to her mistress, If only my master were with the prophet who is in Samaria, for he would heal him of his leprosy. And Naaman went in and told his master, saying, Thus and thus said the girl who is from the land of Israel. Then the king of Syria said, Go now, and I will send a letter to the king of Israel. So he departed and took with him ten talents of silver, six thousand shekels of gold, and ten changes of clothing. Then he brought the letter to the king of Israel, which said, Now be advised, when this letter comes to you, that I have sent Naaman my servant to you, that you may heal him of this leprosy. And it happened, when the king of Israel read the letter, that he tore his clothes and said, Am I God to kill and make alive, that this man sends to me a man to to heal him of his leprosy? Therefore, please consider and see how he seeks a quarrel with me. So it was when Elisha, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel had torn his clothes that he sent to the king saying, Why have you torn your clothes? Please let him come to me, and he shall know that there is a prophet in Israel. Then Naaman went with his horses and chariot, and he stood at the door of Elisha's house. And Elisha sent a messenger to him saying, Go and wash in the Jordan seven times, and your flesh shall be restored to you, and you shall be clean." But Naaman became furious and went away and said, Indeed, I said to myself, He will surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God and wave his hand over the place and heal the leprosy. Are not the Abana 
and the Farpar, the rivers of Damascus, better than all the waters of Israel? Could I not wash in them and be clean? So he turned and went away in a rage. And his servants came near and spoke to him and said, My father, if the prophet had told you to do something great, would you have not done it? How much more then when he says to you, Wash and be clean? So he went down and dipped seven times in the Jordan, and according to the saying of the man of God, and his flesh was restored like the flesh of a little child, and he was clean. And he returned to the man of God, he and all his aides, and came and stood before him, and he said, Indeed, now I know that there is no God in all the earth except in Israel. Now therefore, please take a gift from your servant. But Elisha said, As the Lord lives before whom I stand, I will receive nothing. And he urged him to take it, but he refused. So Naaman said, Then, if not, please let your servant be given two mule loads of earth, for your servant will no longer offer either burnt offering or sacrifice to other gods, but to the Lord. Yet in this thing may the Lord pardon your servant. When my master goes down into the temple of Rimmon to worship there, and he leans on my hand, and I bow down in the temple of Rimmon. When I bow down in the temple of Rimmon, may the Lord please pardon your servant in this thing. Then he said to him, Go in peace. So he departed from him a short distance. Second Kings chapter 5, verses 1-19 through 19. I want us to see through the story of Naaman, through the experience of Naaman, that faith is simple. Faith is a simple act. Many times faith may look like going and dipping in the Jordan seven times, even though the Jordan may not be as nice a river as the river you have at home. Before we get there, let's cover a few things. Let's cover a few key points here and be good students of the Bible. Verse 1, we see that Naaman, he is a mighty general, a war hero of Syria. He is the commander of the armies of Syria. And he is a man of valor. He's a powerful man, a rich man. He's a man of honor and prestige. He's a friend of the king. And with all that, he's a leper. Leprosy is a skin disease. It is a terrible disease. It's a disease, it's a virus that gets into the skin and into the body and it begins to consume. It's like a parasite. I mean, it consumes the very thing which it lives in. Leprosy is, is a terrible disease in that it eats away. It literally consumes the body. It starts in the extremity, extremities and fingertips, toes, and works, it way, it works its way in until it eventually kills the person. Leprosy in that day, just like it is in today's day, is a terrible disease. Now, actually, they actually have some, some forms of treatment. If they're able to catch leprosy soon enough, they can stop the spread of leprosy, but still to this day, they can't replace fingers or toes or arms or legs. They can only stop it. And in that day, it was just as terrible, but even worse, because there was no way of stopping it. In fact, Naaman probably didn't get to experience life as he had once experienced it. Being a leper, he obviously was in no way able to touch other people. That's how leprosy is spread by contact. So who knows what his life looked like. But here he is, this mighty general, this mighty commander, this leader of the armies, this war hero of Syria. He could go out and 
destroy his enemies of his nation, but this enemy of his body he had no power against. Well, the Syrians, they're doing some raiding, and they're not at war with Israel at this time. King Ben-Hadad is the king, and Jerome is the king of Israel. They're not at war with one another, but Syria is doing some raids and, you know, making some money, going out and picking up some some treasure and, and raiding it anywhere that they can and just doing what an army in that day and age would do. Well, in their raiding, they take captive a young girl who is an Israelite, and she knows of Elisha. And she tells her mistress, which is Naaman's wife, the woman she serves, she says, oh, I just wish your husband could go to Israel and go to Elisha, this prophet, because he could heal Naaman of his leprosy. Naaman hears that. He goes to his king and he says, look, here's the deal, king. There's a prophet in Israel. There's a man in Israel. And he can heal me of this leprosy. That's what this young lady says. And I think it's worth a shot. I mean, wouldn't you do the same? If you had the power and the means and the money and the resources and the and the pull and the political weight and pull with the king, I mean, wouldn't you do anything you could possibly do to be free of this terrible disease? Well, so the king says, sure, let's go. He The, the king loves Naaman. Ben-Hadad of Syria he loves Naaman. He honors Naaman. He's thankful for Naaman. So he sends a letter to the king of Israel. When Jerome, he gets this letter from Ben-Hadad, he rips his clothes and he starts to throw a tantrum. You know, what is, it, what is he doing? He obviously wants to, you know, uh, pick a fight with me. Because here he is, he's sending his commander and I'm supposed to heal him of leprosy? No way. He obviously is just trying to like create a fight so that he can come and war against me. And he gets all upset. He tears his clothes out of an act of desperation and, and not knowing what to do. And, and, of course, Elisha, when he hears that, he just calm, cool, collective, says to the king, well, you know what you get all upset for? Calm down. Tell Naaman to come see me. I'll take care of him. So Naaman, along with his aides and his horses and in his chariot, they go visit Elisha. Elisha never comes out uh, when he first visits. He sends his servant Gehazi to go speak to Naaman. And his servant tells Naaman what Elisha told him. Go to the Jordan River, dip in it, wash in it seven times, and after you do that, your flesh will be completely restored. You'll be clean. Now notice, I, I just want you to see that. It's not just, I'm going to heal you of leprosy. It's when you do this act of faith, which he's not saying faith here or act of faith, but when you go wash in the Jordan seven times, not only will you be clean, so the leprosy, you're healed of leprosy, it stops, it's no longer there, but you'll also be restored who knows whether Naaman at this point has lost any fingers or toes or it's eating away into his body. Who knows how much damage this leprosy has done. But the promise here is not just a stopping of the destruction of leprosy, but a restoration. And I want to encourage you and let you know that. That the God we serve, He is good, He is kind, He is merciful, He is holy, He is just. And He is not just healer, He is restorer. 
He will not just heal. He'll also make whole. That's the God we serve. You and I, the faithful, we serve the Almighty God who doesn't just heal, He restores. And that which the enemy has stolen, God restores it. He brings it back. That which has been lost and destroyed, He brings it back into your life. Thank God. Hallelujah. Now notice what happens. (laughs) I know some Christians that have acted like this. Maybe you and I have acted like this at some point in time. Naaman, he's obviously built this up. I mean, as he's traveling from Syria to go to visit this mysterious man of God, this prophet, that he's going to get healed. Naaman says, I indeed, I said to myself, he will surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of his God and wave his hand over the place and he'll heal me of the leprosy. Think about it. Naaman had a lot of time to think about what was going to happen. Uh, where Naaman meets Elisha is roughly 30 miles from the Jordan River. And Naaman had to pass over the Jordan River on the way from Syria. So I don't know how long exactly Naaman traveled, but maybe a few days. And he's thinking and anticipating, oh, I wonder how I'm going to be healed. I wonder what great marvelous thing he'll do. I wonder how big and powerful his prayer will be. I wonder, you know, what it will look like. Because he says here, I said to myself, oh, he's going to come out. Yeah, he'll want to meet me. He'll come out to me. Well, you know, after all, I'm kind of a big deal back in Syria. I'm a, I'm a war hero. I'm a man of valor. I've won many battles and many wars, and I've defended the honor of my king and the throne of Syria. And I'm a pretty big deal. He's probably heard about me. He, he'll probably want my autograph. I should probably bring a... Uh, a quill and some ink with me so that I can autograph a piece of parchment paper for Elisha. I'm sure he'll want to have that framed. Well, he'll probably want to take a selfie. He'll have to tag me on the Instagram and the old tickety-tack, the TikTok. Uh, you know, he'll probably want to come out to me. That's what he thinks, right? Elisha doesn't come out. He sends his servant. He'll he'll stand and he'll call on the name of his God. He'll definitely pray a prayer. You know, oh, you know, I've had some people talk like this. I had one person just recently. God bless him, love him. He said, "I want you to pray for me, AJ, and I want you to pray real hard for me." And I'm thinking, I'm either going to pray for you or I'm not. I don't know what that means to pray real hard. Oh, I understand when people say, pray real, you better, we got to pray. We got to pray real hard. But let's be honest, you're either praying in faith or you're not. And if you're not praying in faith, you can get yourself worked up till you're sweating blood, as Christ did at the garden. Now, he was praying in faith. But you can work yourself up into a frenzy. You can be sweating. Your voice can go hoarse. You can be praying so loud your neighbors call the police because they think something's going on or fights at your house. I mean, you can pray till you pass out. But if you're not praying in faith, you're not going to get an answer. End of story. You, me, anyone. <laughs> and and so, you know, this precious man said, pray for me and pray real hard. I said, well, I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to stand on the Word of God and put my faith and trust in the Lord. Whether you want to call that real hard or not, that's up to you. But prayer is prayer to me. I'm either in faith or I'm not. And if I'm not in faith, I'm going to step back and not even pray. I'm going to get my heart and my mind in the Word of God and build up my faith, then go to the Lord in prayer. 
But Naaman's saying, yeah, I bet Elisha's going to pray a real good prayer. He's going to call the name of his Lord. He's going to use a couple words that are four and five syllables. I mean, I'm going to have to probably go to the school of theology in Israel just to figure out what some of these words he's going to use in that prayer. Ooh, it's going to be a good one. And then he says, he's going to probably wave his hand, wave his hand over me. He's going to be real demonstrative and, and real charismatic and wave his hands and then he'll heal that leprosy. Yeah, I could see it now. But Naaman's upset because Elisha didn't do any of those things. Elisha simply sent his messenger. He simply sent to him a word. Go to the Jordan, dip in it seven times. You'll be healed and restored. Now that was the last, there's actually five things we see Naaman gets upset about. And that's the fifth thing that he gets upset about. What do you mean go to the Jordan River? That old muddy river is not the Abana and the Farpar River in Damascus. They're much better, more beautiful. Many people would rather go vacation at the Farpar and the Abana. I mean, after all, haven't you wanted to go take a trip to the Farpar and the Abana? <laughs> Those are just fun words to say. I was finding an opportunity to say them again. Had to go on YouTube and make sure I was... Uh, pronouncing them correctly. <laughs> there's a guy on, side note, there's a guy on YouTube, Julian McHale. He has a French accent. Huge YouTube channel. And he just makes all these videos. Today we're going to learn how to pronounce this river in Damascus called Farpar. Farpar. Anyway, it's hilarious. That's where I go find out how to pronounce all my Bible words. Farpar and the Abanah. Naaman's making this point. He's like, the rivers back home, they're way better than the old muddy Jordan. And I'm supposed to go there and wash in it. And then I'm going to get my healing? Are you kidding me? I came all the way from Syria for this? Now, thank goodness, thank the Lord that Naaman had some common sense servants, some friends, true friends indeed, they obviously cared very much for Naaman as well. Naaman must have been a really great man in Syria. Not just like, you know, a, a warmonger, but like literally a hero and a war hero and a good commander and a good leader of men. Because his servants don't just get upset with him. They're not just yes men. Yeah, you're right, Naaman. Let, I tell you what, won't we knock the, won't we just go burn the prophet's house down? We'll kill him. We'll take care of him right now. Huh. They didn't do that, did they? They used some common sense, and they said to Naaman, now, now, sir, if this prophet told you to go do some huge feat of strength or, or go travel a far distance or climb a high mountain or do something great, you would have done it, right? So, so hold on a sec. Because he's asking you to do something that seems very simple in your own eyes, you don't want to do it? What, what, what if you... It's not like it's a big deal. After all, the Jordan River, we got to pass over the Jordan River on the way home anyways. Why, why, not, just, why not just do what he says to do and, and see what happens? I mean, after all, it's, it's, it's on the way home. It's, you just got to dip in the water seven times. It's not like you have to take three years out of your life and do this or that. It's, it's not like you have to go cross the sea and bring something, some treasure back to this prophet and he's going to heal you just... He's just, he just telling you to go jump in this river, dip in seven times. Why not? Why not do it and see what happens? After all, it's pretty simple. 
Well, thankfully, Naaman calmed down, and he did exactly what the prophet told him to do. And wouldn't you know it? He was healed. His flesh was restored, and it was as smooth as a baby. And he returned back to Elisha, and he told him, he said, Look, there's no God like your God. Truly, your God, Jehovah, he is the Almighty God. He is the one true God. The only God that there is is the God in Israel. And then he wants to give Elisha a gift. Elisha won't take it. Uh, because Naaman, he ta- it depends on you know the current ca- uh, price of gold and silver, but Naaman probably brought around a million and a half to two and a half million dollars worth of gold and silver, not counting the ten changes of clothing which he's a, he's a war hero. He's a, he's a commander of the armies of Syria. The clothing he probably bought was tailor, handmade clothing, the best you could buy. He wants to bless Elisha, but Elisha says, nope, I'm not going to take any of it. So then Naaman says, well, would you do this for me? Would you let me take, is it okay if I take home a couple mule loads of dirt and take it back to Syria? That way I can spread out that dirt that I've taken here from Israel in Syria, and there on top of that dirt that I bring home from Israel, I can worship Jehovah. And if by chance my king wants me to go to this house of worship, to Rimen, this Syrian god, this idol, and the king leans his head on my shoulder, as is the practice in that day, uh, I pray that Jehovah would overlook it and forgive me because I want to worship him because he's the one true God. So that's the commentary, the AJ commentary on those verses. I hope you notice, though, that Naaman, he encountered something that a lot of us encounter. First off, Naaman had two things. He had D.L. Moody, when I was studying out this passage, D.L. Moody wrote about this passage. Naaman had two diseases. Now you might think, well, wait a minute, I thought he only had one. I thought it was just leprosy. Notice, this is what D.L. Moody, the great evangelist, this is what he wrote. Naaman had two diseases, pride and leprosy. The first needed curing as much as the second. And when he had to step down out of that prideful chariot and dip into the river of Jordan seven times, He was first healed of his pride because he obeyed. And then he was healed of his leprosy. Naaman had some pride going on in his heart. It's clear. It's evident. He's mad. He's upset. If Naaman was humble and going to Elisha in humility, he wouldn't care whether Elisha came out or not. All he would care about is he got what he asked for. But when Naaman comes and Elisha doesn't even take the time of the day time of day to come out and say hello to him, he gets upset. I'm a war hero. I lead the army of Syria. I'm a friend of the king of Ben-Hadad. I've come on official letter from the king with my men, my horses, and in my chariot. And that guy won't even come out and say hello? I don't know who he thinks he is. Naaman had to be healed of his pride. And you know what? Pride is a killer. Pride is a killer. In fact, let me read this to you. Uh, James chapter 5. Didn't have this one written down. 
but it's not James 5. That's a good reason why I didn't have it written down. It's 1 John 5. Pride is a killer. Pride will destroy you. Pride will take you from where you're at and make you fall, a great fall. You know, the book of Proverbs tells us that, that a, that a Holy Spirit is before fall and pride before destruction. And it's not First John, it's James 4, not James 5. James 4, verse 6, But he, God, gives more grace, therefore he says, God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. You want more grace? Humble yourself. And Naaman had to learn that. Naaman had to humble himself. Anytime you obey God, you're humbling yourself. Faith requires humility. Let me say that again. Faith requires humility. If you're going to walk in faith, you must humble yourself. You must walk in humility. Faith cannot live in a heart filled with pride. You won't do it. You won't be faithful. Naaman wasn't going to be obedient. And that's what faith is. Faith is obedience. Faith is simply obeying God. That's what faith is. Even though you may have a better river back home, (laughs) even though you may have a better plan, a better idea, a better thought, faith is saying, Lord, I trust you, so I'll change my plans to match your plans. I'll renew my thinking to your thinking. I'm going to go with what you say. Your opinion, your word, your truth wins the day. Everything else must bow down to you. That's what faith is. So faith is, Lord, if you say go dip in the Jordan seven times, count it done. And that takes humility. A true, humble person is someone who receives more grace from God. Now, Naaman had to be humble to begin with. Before he could receive from God, he had to be humble. Humility puts you in a place to receive from God. And God honors faith, whether it's Naaman the Syrian, who is a Gentile. Remember, this is Old Testament. Naaman's a Gentile. He has no covenant with God. And in fact, in Luke chapter 4, Jesus reminds the Pharisees, hey, wait a minute. Didn't Elijah go to the woman in Zarephath who was a Gentile? But there were plenty of widows in need in his day in Israel. Didn't Elisha heal Naaman the leper, who was a Gentile, a Syrian, but there were plenty of lepers in Israel. Why didn't Elisha or Elijah move on the behalf of these Israelites? Because God only considers faith. God doesn't consider your lineage, your genealogy, your ancestry, your race, what men think of you, what women think of you, how rich, how poor how good of a speaker you are, if you're strong in physical strength. God doesn't consider anything that humans consider great. Naaman was a great man in the eyes of humans, in the eyes of people. God doesn't consider that. All that God considers is faith. Will you be obedient? If I command you to do something, will you do it? That's the person that God can bless. Secondly, Naaman thought he could buy his healing. I mean, he he takes this big offering with him, this big gift, 10 talents of silver, 6,000 shekels of gold, 10 changes of clothing. 
2 Kings 5.5. And then when he comes back, he, he wants to give Elisha this gift. And Elisha says, nope, I don't want it. Don't give anything. I'm, not, I'm a servant of God. I'm, you're not going to pay for this healing. That's not how it works. And, um, you know, that's how the gospel is. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 10, verse 8, freely give as you have freely received. The things that I've received of God, they're not mine. They're the Lord's. And it's my obligation to give back to other people. It's my obligation just as I have freely received. God didn't charge me, so I have to freely give and not charge someone else. Third thing we see this is, <laughs> Naaman said, my rivers are better. The Abana and the Farpar, the rivers of Damascus, they're much better rivers. And they are, naturally speaking, cleaner, more pretty. The Jordan River is a muddy river. It's not, you know, there's, these rivers are way better. You know, faith does not consider my plan, my ways, as the better ways, the better plans. Faith simply says, this is what God has said, and that's what we're doing. Now, another thing I want you to see is this as we kind of finish up coming to a close. Verse 15, after Naaman finally obeys, and he's faithful, and he does the small thing that Elisha asked of him, he's healed, he's restored, he then returns to give thanks. True people of faith will always return with thanksgiving in their heart. You and I, members of the faithful, when we come back to God, we always come back with thanksgiving. We always return to the Lord, thanks. We always come back to say, Lord, thank you. Because truly, a humble heart is a thankful heart. A humble person is a thankful person. And Naaman came back to give thanks. He came back to give thanks. I love this story about Naaman. I, I've read it several times. My daughter has a, we have that beginner's Bible. Uh, some of you probably have it. You remember it from years gone by. Maybe for those that listen to the, to the podcast, part, members of the faithful that are parents or grandparents, maybe you've got that. If not, it's a great book to get for your little ones. It's got great illustrations in it. It has Naaman being healed of leprosy in that book. And I've read it probably... I don't know, half a dozen times uh, over the past few weeks. And that was kind of in my heart and my mind when I was studying for this as well. I just love that. I love, I love that Naaman, he humbled himself. You know what? Maybe you do start off in pride. Oh, I, after all, last time I checked, you, me, no one's perfect. Uh, but just because you start off prideful doesn't mean you need to end in destruction. Come on, somebody. I'm about to preach. Just because you start off prideful doesn't mean you can't humble yourself. Submit yourself under the mighty hand of God and humble yourself so that you can receive grace. Walk forth in faith and know this, whatever God requires of you, He will empower you to receive from Him the blessing that comes after you being obedient. Again, Naaman, he's expecting this huge dramatic show. He wants this big a powerful prayer, waving of hands, uh, acknowledging I'm a great person. He wants all, he's conceived all this in his mind, but at the end of the day, when he finally gets there, what's required of him? Go jump in the Jordan seven times and you'll be healed. Like, how many times has Naaman jumped in a river? He's a general. 
He's a soldier. Some of you that are listening are soldiers, and you've served uh, our nation. Thank you for your service. I mean, how many times has soldiers out in the field washed, you know, taking a bath out of a helmet, <laughs> out of the back of a Humvee, you know, or a river or a lake somewhere? I mean, you know, you're if you're a soldier, especially in this day and age where the caravan and, and the quartermaster literally is horses and mules and, and food out of sacks and and wine out of wineskins, you know, if you're if you haven't bathed in, you know, twelve days and there's a, a, a pause in the war for a moment and and soldiers are moving from one place to the other and you're passing by a river, you're probably gonna stop, cook some food, eat, and everybody's gonna jump in the river and finally get a bath and smell normal for once in the past week and a half. Naaman's probably jumped in a bunch of rivers all through the Middle East on his conquering campaigns. So what's one more river? Well, it matters when God says to jump in it. See, that's the thing. You might think, why should I do that? Because the Lord's asked you. Why should you do what God's asked you to do? Because you can be sure that when you're faithful to obey God, there will be a supernatural blessing that you can't get from man. What Naaman couldn't get, healing and restoration in his body, he got from God, but it only came after he was obedient, after he was faithful. And I'm here to tell you that the God of Elisha, and as we can see, the God of Naaman, the God of the Bible, Almighty Jehovah, the living one, He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And regardless of what He's asking you to do personally, whether it's great or maybe it seems real small, I'm telling you, just obey. And there will be a corresponding blessing that is truly supernatural that will bring healing and restoration and blessing and life abundant, but it only comes after you simply obey. I, I want to leave you with this. We can see the gospel in 2 Kings 5, verses 1 through 19. I love this. You can see the gospel picture right here. Naaman was an enemy of God. You and I were enemies of God, dead in sin. Naaman was an enemy of God. How so? He was a Gentile, a Syrian. He's not a part of the people of God. He was an enemy of God. Naaman was a leper, which means he was helpless and hopeless. There was nothing anybody could do for him in his leprosy, and he had no hope. His end was inevitable. He was going to die and not die a ripe old age. He was going to die a soon, sudden death because of leprosy. You and I, we were helpless and hopeless, dead in sin. Naaman was a stranger of the covenants of God. Again, he's a Gentile, not a Jew. He's not a child of Abraham. He has no connection or covenant with Jehovah, with the Almighty God. He's a stranger. You and I were strangers, estranged from the covenants of God because of our sin. Yet, through humility and obedience, through surrender, Naaman was healed and restored and given a new, brand new life. And when you and I humbled ourselves 
and obeyed the call of God. When we simply put our trust and faith in Jesus, we too were healed and restored and given a brand new life to live. I love it. I love it. Well, I'm so thankful that you joined me here on the Faith for My Generation podcast. Thankful for you. If you would, please share this episode with somebody that you think will be blessed by it. Text message them a link, a direct link to the audio podcast. Forward them the Facebook video in Messenger. Tag me in an Instagram story. Like and subscribe on YouTube. Do all those things. Every time you interact and you watch and you like and subscribe and share and comment, it helps get this gospel message out to more people. But more importantly, I just want to truly say to you, thank you. Thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. Thank you for being faithful. I sincerely mean that. I'm thankful for you. I'm thankful for your testimony. I'm thankful for your love and your faithfulness to our God. Because the Lord has need of you. He has need of your talent, your ability, your gifts. Yes, He gave them to you. But He has need of you to put them into practice and put them to work for the growing and the building of the kingdom of God here on earth. And I'm thankful for you. Because you and I, we are the faithful. I'll see you next time. God bless you. Thanks so much for joining me for this episode of the Faith for My Generation podcast. Remember, every Monday I've got a brand new wake-up call for you, and every Thursday I've got a brand new episode right here on Faith for My Generation podcast. And remember, we are the faithful.